Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy Josh Marion with uh, Cam and Taunton, Matt in Framingham, and Nate in New Hampshire. Nate, Nathan Moorside alongside. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, you? Doing well. Doing great, Josh. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, always. And, um, you know, we're, we're talking mostly Celtics tonight. And um, I talked to I talked to Jonesy early on this week, and I I thought Aaron Baines was the X factor of this series for the Celtics at least, and I thought that was a hot take. I, I didn't know what guys what you guys thought. Could be. Um, I mean, he didn't play that bad against um, Love the other day. I mean, they 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 shut Love down. Yes, um, the other game, uh, one was it Sunday. I mean, nobody was scoring. LeBron couldn't drive. And they couldn't get their outside shot down. I mean, I just just a quick take off the um, off the top from me. I really don't see Cleveland being that bad again tonight and the rest of the series. Yeah, it's a round table, so everyone everyone just go after. Well, I'll 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 fill it. I'll make my two cents real quick and make it to the point. I agree with Nate. Uh, I cannot see any way. LeBron especially having another bad game like they did on Sunday. I mean, what happened on Sunday was just absolutely stunning to watch. Um, the, the Celtics came out, and they just totally dominated from uh, from the wood go. And to me, listen, th- this is not meant as a shot to Aaron Baines, who is a very good role player. To me, the story of, this, of what happened yesterday came down simply put to the fact that Al Horford once again stepped up when they needed to, and right now he is silencing a lot of critics. He's stepping up big time, man. He's stepping up big time. Yeah. I agree with you guys. I mean, I don't see tonight being a blowout for either team. I think tonight's going to be a very close, very competitive game. I'd be stunned if either team has a double-digit lead at any point tonight, so I think this one's going to go right down to the wire. But on game one, I agree with you. I mean, I did not expect that at all. I thought there was going to be the Cavs coming out blazing. They had had a week off since they swept out the Raptors. So, I mean, and then LeBron, I mean, LeBron looked like he wasn't engaged. I don't know if LeBron knows he's not, his team's not good enough, which he, uh, we all know he knows his team's not good enough. He's surrounded by a bunch of role players. He's and, been known to uh, do that, too. I mean, we all, we all saw this. We all saw it firsthand the first time LeBron was getting ready to leave Cleveland. We all saw that series. In the last, in the last game of the series, LeBron's like, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to go, go all out. I got one foot out the door for Miami. Now he's got one foot out the door for L.A., Houston, Philly, or wherever he's going to go. And I don't rule out the possibility he's feeling the same way. He knows the team's not good enough. He knows even if they win this series, odds are the Warriors can take them out in no more than six games. So I, I think the Celtics uh, played well. Don't get me wrong. I think Al Horford was tremendous. I do think Sunday did have a lot to do with a lackadaisical effort from LeBron and the Cavs in general. Uh, even though Kevin Love played well offensively, Kevin Love was a massive negative for the Cavs in that game. Totally agree. I think that in some ways, unfortunately, uh, tonight's game really is all about the Cavaliers, and it's not about the Celtics. I mean, look, the Celtics right now 
are playing way over their heads. It's not even funny. Tonight's game two is all about Cleveland because, to me, this this is going to separate from what could be an, an enjoyable three days off till game three for Cleveland or a very long three days off for Cleveland. Absolutely. I mean, if the Cavs lose tonight, all you're going to hear about for the next few days is are the Cavs getting ready for LeBron's last home game? Are the Cavs just down and out? Are they done? Is LeBron checked out? Everything like that. The Cavs have a must-win for tonight, and I, I think LeBron is going to have a great game tonight. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to get past the Celtics with their stifling defense, and as long as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are hitting their threes, I believe the Celtics do win tonight. Here's a stat that I'm going to present to you guys that tells you how much I think Cleveland needs this game tonight. In the history of the Boston Celtics franchise, when they've gone up, they have gone up 37 times, two games to none in the playoff series. They have won all 37 times. Wow. Yes, yeah, so tonight it could very well be about as close to a must game tonight for Cleveland. So I expect, like I said, a much better effort. And obviously the big storyline from the Cavs tonight is Tristan Thompson will be in the starting lineup barring a last-minute change. And to me, that is really the, the, the only no-doubt decision for Tyron Lue. And by the way, uh, can somebody please tell um, – can somebody please tell Tyron Lue that at some point you got to make adjustments tonight if things don't go your way? Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, think, he def- I think he definitely needs to make some adjustments. Getting Tr- Tristan Thompson in the lineup is crucial. Is he allowed to make adjustments, though? I mean, LeBron's sitting there chirping in his ear. How much, um, I guess, leeway does he actually have to be a coach? Well, it's a good point because LeBron is basically everything. I mean, look, the the roster that's out there, and, and by the way, this is a, this is one of my pet peeves from the last two days is the fact that, listen, no one is denying LeBron's greatness, but the second that the game was over in game one, the national media was like, oh, LeBron doesn't have enough help or anything. Does anybody think for one second – that the roster that's out there is not consoled to LeBron? No. Le- I'm just going to take the lead here right now. I, I think that I think the Celtics have the superior roster. You know, it, a, lot of, a lot of people say that, you know, the best player is going to win the series. But but I really don't see that happening here. I think the, the Celtics have the chemistry. And, you know, I just don't want to know what you guys think, you know, you think LeBron's going for thirty plus tonight? 30. I expect to see from LeBron tonight. Probably. We saw. Probably. I do. Absolutely, at least thirty. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think you're going to see from LeBron tonight. I'm, I'm sorry, Matt. I think you're going to see from LeBron tonight what you saw from LeBron in Game Two against Indiana. He lost Game One to Indiana. He uh, he went back in game two. He scored like 25 points in the first quarter, if I remember correctly, and then he had 46 overall for the game. So I believe you're going to see a, a great performance from LeBron tonight. It's the, the Celtics' defense has to be making sure guys like J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, and Kevin Love don't get going. Well, I guarantee you one thing: you're not going to win if you're the Cavs if LeBron has 15 points and seven turnovers like he did in Game One. That's not going to happen tonight. Nate, I don't no, think so either. You're up next. Nate. What's up? Go ahead. Give your take. 
I mean, I, I, I just don't see LeBron getting shut down that much. I mean, I, he's LeBron. He's, he, he's one of, I would put him top five of all time, in my top five of all time. I, I just see the light clicking on with him. Um, like I think it was Cam said it, I mean, is it going to be enough, though? Is it going to be enough to carry the team? Um, I mean, I, I personally, I, I got the Cavs winning by three tonight. Yeah, I'm reluctantly going to pick the Cavs as well. Yeah, I'm reluctantly going to pick the Cavs as well. I just cannot see a scenario where they go back to Cleveland down 0-2. And if that's the case, like I said, the national media for three days is going to be nothing but uh, just hot take palooza. Yeah, absolutely. Cam, Cam, hit me with your take, Cam. I got the Celtics tonight in a tight one. I think the Celtics will pull it out tonight. I do expect LeBron to have a great game. I just think the, the Celtics, Cavaliers it, are favored by one and a half. Which I don't really? understand. Uh, Vegas and the national media don't get the Celtics. I don't. It's been that way all year long. They I don't. mean, I, I understand maybe because you know they're without their two superstars, obviously. So, I mean, I, I just don't understand why. The, you just saw this team. Many people had the Sixers beating the Celtics in five games, and the Celtics beat them in five games. And you just saw them beat one of the most talented players in the world in the first round with, in, against Giannis. Now, granted, the Bucks are just as dumb as a box of rocks, except for Giannis. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so just like, I, I don't know what Vegas and Nash. I mean, I do want to harp for a second on something that Matt said a moment ago. This Cavaliers roster, this Cavaliers roster is pathetic, as we all know. I mean, this is arguably the worst surrounding cast LeBron's ever had, except maybe his first time in Cleveland when he blew that team to the final loss to the Spurs. I just find it so embarrassing because this same roster, this same roster, after two games post the deadline, what did we hear from the national media? The yeah. Cavs are back. They're going to be the best team in the East. They're going to go 12-0 and through the East, and they're going to take the Warriors to seven games. You People got that off of two games of this group together. Before the All-Star break. So while they had new energy because they didn't like Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, they had new energy, and everybody else was checked out for the All-Star break. And so they won a couple games by 20 points against two good teams. It's just like nobody drew that factor. And then now all of a sudden, all everyone's saying is that this cast isn't good enough, when just three months ago they were telling us that the team was going to go undefeated to the finals again. Right, absolutely. He nailed it. Well, just, just wait if uh... – if we get another blowout tonight in the Celtics' favor, although I highly doubt it, but there is one thing about the national media that I will give a certain member of the national media credit for, and that's Charles Barkley, who basically has all of a sudden done a 180 on Brad Stevens. And, you know, listen, I commend Charles for, you know, owning up and saying I was wrong about the Celtics. But here's the thing about the national media that I just, I would just like some consistency. That's all I'm asking for. I mean, look, Felker and Maz are not great at being consistent. At least they tried. I mean, Felker, for crying out loud, is worshiping the ground Brad Stevens is on today. But, you know, who knows how long that will last. Not long. Until the first time Stevens cost him a game. Probably. (laughs) I mean, I think it goes without question that Brad Stevens is the best coach in this playoffs, I'll say. I think he's better than Steve Kerr. <clears throat> Steve Kerr gets a lot of credit for the amount of, uh, you know, just just um, talent he has on his team, and I think that carries him. And I think that the Celtics team has ultimately 
ultimately more chemistry and you know it's it, I I think we're going to be in the finals against the Warriors. Go ahead, guys. Well, I, I, I'll i say this. If they win tonight, I like their chances going forward. But, you know, the one thing that we have to remind ourselves is, is that, um, you know, as good as the Celtics have played, uh, there are times that their offense goes cold. So, you know, the, the, the only thing I would say for the Celtics tonight is you just got to try to, you know, do whatever you can to attack the basket and not just be a jump shooting team tonight. Go ahead, Nate. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, going back to what you first said about Steve Kerr versus Brad Stevens, though, I mean, yeah, I, I think Steve Kerr definitely has more talent. And, and, and I mean, look at the roster. I mean, yeah, Tatum's good. Brown Brown is good. Marcus Smart is good. But, I mean, he's not Draymond Green. You know, they're not. Um, Kevin Durant, they're not Steph Curry, they're not Clayton Thompson. I mean, Steve Kerr has by far a better roster. than. I mean, if you add Kyrie and Hayward, then that's a different story. But this current roster, I mean, it it really is impressive what what Brad Stevens is doing with it. Um, Cam is back I mean, with us. Cam is back with us. Hey, Cam. Hey, I'm sorry about that, guys. My phone does that sometimes when there's a cloud cover. I, I still tend to drop calls like it's 2007. So, all right. So we, I, I'll take it by what Nate was just saying. We're talking about what Brad Stevens has accomplished with this roster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, I think Brad Stevens has proven himself to be an elite coach in the league. I mean, I, I was talking with a buddy of mine earlier today, and he was telling me that he thinks that Brad Stevens is not a top five coach in the league. Purely because he hasn't won a championship yet. He told me that he thinks Steve Kerr is a better coach. But, I mean, I'm not saying Steve Kerr can't coach. I think Steve Kerr is a good coach. But I could put my cat on the sideline of the Warriors, and they'd still probably win 70 games. Right. So, I mean, well, they got two of the three best players in the world. So, and they, right. so who knows? I, I, think the, I think Steve Kerr is a great head coach. But seriously, all he's got to do is just sit on the bench with his arms crossed and say nothing. He just nothing. has to show up. That's all he has to do is just and show up. up. He doesn't and have if, to coach if the other team, And if the other team gets on a run, call a timeout. That's it. <laughs> yeah, Brett Brown, uh, are you listening? <laughs> That's a great point there, Matt. Also, Ty Lue. I mean, I think Ty Lue's been – I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed the other day, if the Cavs had made to run the fourth quarter, the Cavaliers were out of timeouts with 10 minutes to go in the game because Ty Lue kept taking so many quick timeouts. Yeah, yeah. You're right. So, um, as, far as, the, uh, as far as the Western Conference Finals went last night, I, I don't think any of us are surprised by the outcome uh, that happened, but – you know, I just think that, you know, for Houston and the way that they played last night, I mean, you know, that's about as well as you can play, and you still lost by double digits. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm Mike D'Antoni today, I'm just basically just – I'm out of answers because, you know, Kevin Durant is just going to eat him alive if he gets the ball. And, you know, the bottom line is I, I hate to say this because I want to be proven wrong – Houston just not in their league. Now, I, I don't know Golden if anybody State right league. now is in Golden State's league. Golden State's yeah. got, got two of the three greatest players on the planet. They got LeBron James is the best player on the planet. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are the second and third best players on the planet. And that's and you also have two other year in year out all stars on that team. Now the only way the Warriors can crumble is if somebody gets in Draymond Green's head and makes him lose his mind, as we saw 
in the finals two years ago. I mean, that series, as we all know, changed completely when Green got himself suspended for game five. And everybody, I don't know about you guys, I knew the instant the, instant the Warriors lost game five, I knew they were in a lot of trouble in that finals because the way LeBron yep. and Kyrie were playing, like they're going to go home for game six, win there, and then they're going to be really tight in game seven. So the only way you can get in the Warriors' way is if you can somehow get Draymond Green fostered. One note on Draymond Green real quick. He is one technical away from getting an automatic one-game suspension for the next game. Oh, that's up that, Yeah, because he picked up that early technical foul against the, uh, against the Rockets last night. So he is, is one away from being suspended for the next game. That is huge. I mean, if, if James Harden or Chris Paul, if, if, if I were Harden or Paul, I'd be just trying to get him to get a technical. I'd be so, so much in his face. I mean, I would risk getting a technical just to get him one. Exactly. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. But on that greater point, like, none of us are surprised by what happened with the, war, with the Rockets last night. And just like, no, I would agree. I mean, for all this talent in the world, I do not believe that James Harden will ever win a title as the best player on the team. I just feel like he – does he come, 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 kind of come across as Carmelo Anthony? Yes, to you guys. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. He's not, he's not that far to, 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 the, to the not winning, but he, he's, he's leaning that way. But, I mean, Carmelo's in a league of his own. I mean, Carmelo has never won anything. I mean, I don't even know how many playoff series he's won. Not many. He's only been to the conference final once. I know that. I think it was with Denver. So before he never got to the conference final with New York. Right, right. I mean, I I wouldn't classify Harden as as, as that level of suck yet. But I mean, he's he's getting there. He's got to do something. He's got to do something quick. So what we saw Guys. last year in Game Seven against San Antonio, when he completely quit in that game, if you guys remember, and then earlier this year when he. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. You cannot tell me that he did not know he was going to get called for those two offensive fouls on Marcus Martin. He didn't care. Because he, he smart got him so upset, he just ran over him anyway. And then he sat there at the game and complained about the fact there were only two refs in the game. So, just like, that's a loser's lament to me. It was like last year when Fred Hoiberg was complaining that Isaiah Thomas was traveling every time off the floor. Well, I'll say this about Carmelo Anthony. He couldn't guard a fire hydrant, and the fire hydrant can't move one inch. That's how bad he is. But... As far as James Harden is concerned, if he does not try to improve his game, give me about a couple years, and he's right in Carmelo's territory. There you go. Let me um, let me just hop in here, guys. I, I think that um, you're definitely right. Carmelo is a team killer, and James Harden is an absolute enigma. I don't think he's going to win a championship in his career either. And I picked the Warriors to win that game one, and I'm very happy about that. And as he had game, he had uh, he had the Rockets in game one. I want to get his take right off the bat after that game. I mean, but after that performance last night, I have the Rockets in seven. I mean, I know it's kind of an outlandish take, but um, I mean, and especially after that performance last night, I mean, that was that was lackluster to say the least. Uh, going into the series, I mean, I'm not going to back down what I said. I mean, I, I had Rockets in seven. I mean, I, I know the Warriors are a super team, but uh, I don't know, though. I mean, thinking about it after I said it, I mean, Mike D'Antoni is their coach. <laughs> what has he ever won? I mean, Chris Paul, what has he ever won? James Harden, what has he ever won? But I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna go back on my take that I told Josh off the air. I mean, I, I had Rockets in seven. I mean, I'm, I'm still holding out hope for it, but. Um, I did say yesterday at one point, I don't know who I said it to, but if the Rockets 
can somehow beat Golden State and the Celtics can somehow beat Cleveland, the Celtics will win the title. The Celtics will beat the um, Rockets. Well, I know, I'm going to say I, this right now. Now, if the Rockets are going to win this series, they better win game two because if they lose game two on Wednesday night, I don't think this over. series gets back it's to It's over. It's over. Golden State will win both of them at home, and they'll probably sweep them. If right. they lose game two, they'll be lucky. I agree with you. They'll be lucky to see a fifth game because they're not going to win two games in Houston. One's going to be tough. They're not going to win two games in Oakland. Excuse me. One's going to be tough enough. I mean, that's the toughest reign to play in the NBA. Right. So, um, um, so I, I, the only, no, I told the you only question, the only question would be whether or not they go out gracefully like the Toronto Raptors did. Yeah, for real. Right, but I, I'm sure the NBA will send Scott Foster and Tony Brothers to a game in Oakland and make sure the Rockets get a fifth game out of that, just to make sure the series. Because remember, last year both conference finals went five and four games, and so if that happens again, the NBA is going to be in a lot of trouble. So I, I expect the refs to uh, make sure that. I mean, to be fair though, I just re- remember this: Foster and Brothers ref last night, and it still wasn't enough. Yeah, I know. Well, we've got so much time, guys. Let's keep talking, like, Red Sox, Bruins, Patriots, whatever. You know, let's go on a round table. Let's go Nate first. Uh, I mean, I, I guess we can talk about Red Sox. I mean, I guess we can talk about that Carson uh, Smith debacle. Absolutely, he absolutely foolish. Like, come on, man. The the Red Sox already have uh, enough trouble right now with depth in the bullpen. I mean, and and you were just finally starting to pitch decent. I think. I think it was just finally starting to pitch decent, and he has to go pull a stunt like this. I haven't. I personally haven't heard how long he's out for. From from what I've heard, it's 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 not good. Yeah, according to according to Dombrowski, I mean, he said it's going to be something that could be major. So. You might not see Smith again the rest of this year. I mean, to me, this – I know you can't do this because he's going to be put on the DL. To me, this is a DFA-able offense. I mean, if I'm Alex Cora, if I'm Dave Dombrowski, if I'm John Henry, I go down to that, to that clubhouse. I look him in the eye and say, what the F is wrong with you? I understand, Stop being an unprofessional little brat. I understand you were frustrated or whatever. You gave up some runs or whatever caused you to lose your mind. But then you go and get yourself hurt not throwing the ball. I mean, I mean, I think yeah. this is, I think this is worse than David Price because at least David Price was doing an innocent thing that causes that gave him some hand pain. He wasn't trying to hurt himself or doing something stupid. He was just entertaining a hobby of his. This was just beyond dumb. This trade's been a disaster. I mean, you didn't give up much to get the guy. I mean, you gave up Wade Miley to get him, but he comes in here his first spring and blows out his elbow, and then he pitches like crap to start the year. He, like Nate said, he was finally starting to pitch well, and now you do this and you make what's already a very thin bullpen even thinner. And you got nothing to trade for a bullpen because your two top 100 prospects are either injured or suspended. So I don't know how you improve this bullpen at the moment, and now it's just going to get even worse. Um, I, this, I, I guess I'll fly. Been, I, oh, go ahead, Matt. This has been a very, very rough week for the Red Sox, specifically Dave Dabrowski. And the bottom line is his options in the bullpen are very limited right now for Alex Cora. They have no farm system. And your best prospect down in in the farm system, Jake Room, is about to have Tommy John surgery. So as far as I'm concerned, Dave Dabrowski, he can sit there and be mad at Carson Smith. Let's face it, the team that's on the field right now, he's to blame. Yeah, I mean that's fair too. That that's that's totally a fair way to look at it. I, I guess my next question to uh, to anybody would be, is is now the time to move either Bradley or Swihart? 
Yes. I mean, for right, right, right now, I mean, you got to do it. I don't think you can wait to the deadline to address the small thing. And I think you're going to fall too far out of it. If you yep. fall any more, if you fall any more than four or five games behind the Yankees, you're not going to catch them. You're not catching you, them. Yeah, absolutely. You're not catching them. And, and, and look, I mean, well, the thing is, I don't want the possibility that both the Yankees and the Red Sox finish north of 100 wins, and I think they are the two best teams in baseball right now in terms of pure talent. But, one, but it doesn't matter if they both win 120 games. One of them is going to the wild card game. So if I, I, right, have, I have no idea why Bradley's still here, and I have no clue why, what Swihart's role is. As far as I'm concerned, the first guy that needs to go is, uh, is Bradley because he's giving you nothing up. By the way, while we're on the subject of Swihart, is it just me, or do you find it annoying that there's three catchers on this roster? I find, it annoying, that they, I find it annoying that they're using 24 players. They have a roster spot they're not using. I find that annoying. They have no pinch run threat if they need a steal late in the game. They really don't have a pinch hit threat because they got no power or contact on the bench. They are completely wasting a roster spot carrying this guy. And I wanted them to bring him into the year. I wanted them to use him. You traded Devin Murray to bring this guy into the roster. That's another point, too. I think they should have traded Brock Holt personally. And meanwhile, you traded Devin Marrero, and you have a black hole in terms of defense at third base and second base late in games. Devin yeah. Marrero has made one error all year out in Arizona. I looked up one error all year at third base. Meanwhile, Devers has made 10. So, just like, Devers you're is in a such, Devers is such a liability at third. Such a liability. This, so this team, a, guys, is so flawed, it's not even funny. They are so flawed in so many areas. And if you can detect, detect the anger coming out of me right now, it's because I have been begging. I have been begging on my hands and knees for the Red Sox to shut me up as far as the criticism. I am worse than Tony Maz, as far as I'm concerned. And this team is just making me right. And as far as I'm concerned, they better get their act together real quick because they got a schedule coming up later this month that is not pretty. And if they don't get their act together soon, they're going to be playing for the wild card game and not the division. Absolutely. Um, going back to what you said, though, I mean, this, this, this team has flaws. Yes, obviously, yes, this team has a bunch of flaws. And this is just my take here. It's because they didn't fix the problem. They didn't fix the problem last year. Firing Farrell did nothing to fix the problem. Yes, Alex Cora is good, but that's not the problem. The, the, the problem is the players in that clubhouse that shut the manager out. That's a problem to me. That's, that's a problem. David Price getting in Eckersley's face on the team plane. That's a problem. It's a, it's a character issue in that clubhouse with me. That's, that's just my take. But Let me ask you guys this. Do you want Pedroia back or not? No, I do not want Pedroia back. I'm reluctantly going to say yes because he plays much better defense than Nunez. But here's, ah, the, other thing yeah. about, but here's the thing about Pedroia, okay? Pedroia better, better start producing very quickly when he comes back. Because if he doesn't, I mean, he, he was not popular last year. He'll be less popular this year if he doesn't produce. You see, I, I largely agree with Tony Maz when it comes to Bedoya. I don't think he was a problem last year. I think he just followed the lead of that team, which was just a bitter, angry, bitchy bunch. I don't think Bedoya is a problem. I just don't think he's the solution, if you guys know what I mean. He sits, there and tells me, and he sits there and tells everyone, though, that he's the leader. He's the one to go to. And he's not a leader. You, 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 Cam, you nailed it. He's a follower. He's not a leader. All, all you got to do with Dustin Pedroia right now is pull up the audio from last April after a game with the Oils when they said, 
Can I go home now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what he said. Can I That's go home now? Also standing on top, also standing on the top step of the dugout and yelling to the other team that it was your manager who ordered a hit, right. not you. That's not a lead. Right. That's I mean, to be fair, to John, I don't, I don't think John Farrow deserved respect, but to be, you still can't do that. <laughs> right. Hey okay. guys, let me, I guess let me kick over here. Um, just to bring up Dustin Pejoria's 2017 stats, he he played in 105 games, 46, 463 plate appearances. 406 at bats, like he had 406 runs, what was his 119 average? doubles. I'll get to his average, 293. Yes, that's not terrible. That's the thing with Pejoria. As, as annoyed as we were with him last year, and as horrible of a leader he was, he, he's not. He's still not a bad player. I mean, the, the concern is now is can the guy stay on the field? I mean, the guy just had microfracture surgery. He wasn't able to wait on his leg for three months. So. What it, I want to know, everyone's like, is he going to improve the defense? Yes, he should improve the defense. Is he going to be able to move out there? Right. Yeah. Get him a wheelchair. Cam, here's the problem. You can't move Pedroia because of the contract unless the you contract want to eat, eat and the, the trade clause. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And, uh, You're also, not getting rid of him. He's also a 10-5 guy. So not only do you have to eat some money, you have to improve it. Right. And he's not going to get traded. He's not going to get Houston or something. Go ahead, go ahead. Not no, going I'm done. Enough. I I'm I'm fun I'm done talking unless someone wants to talk. No, Pedroia's not going anywhere. And not, I don't think like I said, he's not the solution to the lack of leadership, but he's not the problem either. I think he's just a follower. I think he's the positional version of John Lester. Everybody remember when Lester followed Beckton Lackey's lead in twenty eleven yep. and he became the chicken and beer guy with them and all that. I, I, I at the time I knew like, Lester's not that guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just a follower. And he followed Beckett and Lackey's lead and went down the wrong path. And then once they were two were gone, he became the leader that he was and obviously pitched the team to a World Series. So we'll see what happens with Pajoya. Absolutely. So what do you guys think is going to happen in this lottery tonight? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to predict that the Sixers are going to win it. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I I think the Sixers are going to win it. And the reason I think they're going to win it is because I just got this gut feeling that um, the Sixers are going to have one of those. It, it's just going to be one of those nights where you're going to be saying WTF, the Sixers. And I think another reason is because, and this is just my opinion of the whole thing, and this is just my conspiracy theorist, I just think that it's kind of like throwing a bone at Brett Brown because he he got coached out of his boots in that last series. But I'm going to say the Sixers win it. I'm going to tell you, Matt, I got a conspiracy theory too, but it's a different one. I, I think the Cavaliers are going to win it from the Brooklyn pick because I think the NBA needs LeBron to stay in the Eastern Conference. If LeBron, goes to, the, if, if LeBron goes to the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference is completely irrelevant. Because as great as the Celtics will be next year, we don't, I mean, I still don't know if they're going to be good enough to beat the, the Eastern Conference will be a one-team conference. For, it's going to be the Celtics only, and we all know that. Right now, it's the Celtics and the Cavaliers. The NBA needs LeBron in the Eastern Conference. So I think the Cavaliers are going to win this lottery tonight. Yeah. I By mean, the I'll... way, it, it, it's, it's uh, the best odds uh, are with the Phoenix Suns, who, by the way, should be contracted from the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, they're awful. 
They're god awful. I mean, if, if it weren't for Steve Nash, nobody would even know who they were. Right. right. I mean, ever they've they've never been good except except for, uh, except for the Steve Nash years. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. The draft lottery. That, that there's only there's only one thing that we need to keep an eye out for, and that is, you know, j- just j- just basically, more importantly, who decides to show up because anybody could show up. I mean, do we know who the Celtic Center represent them? I uh, no clue, Cam. No clue. I do not. I mean, last year Tags was a good luck charm, but when they whenever they send players or former players, they always get screwed. So. <laughs> Well, we'll see what happens tonight. Yes, we will. It's about to start any minute now. So, I mean, what I think that on TNT? No, ESPN. No, oh, ESPN. ESPN. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. All right. So, while we're on the subject of playoffs, and in particular, uh, you know, I know that the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's not a whole lot that is being uh, looked at right now, but. Cam, I want to bring up a tweet that you brought up that uh, I think is very, very significant, and that is it's a good thing Vegas won last night up in Winnipeg because we were about uh, halfway to having your worst Stanley Cup finals realized, and that is Washington versus Winnipeg. And watching Washington right now, there is no question. They are They have played like a free team when they slayed the dragon that was Pittsburgh. And as far as Vegas and Winnipeg goes, I think this game, this series is at least six games, in my opinion. I think that right. series is going seven. Yeah, you see, I hope it's going six games. I'm rooting for Vegas. I have a hard time believing Vegas is going to win a game seven in Winnipeg. I mean, I think they were fortunate to win last night. I mean, they answered well. I mean, when they when Florida gave up, Florida gave up an absolutely horrible goal. I don't know if you guys saw it. And by I did. Mid- the beginning of the third period. I mean, if that if Tuukka Rask gave that up, I think everybody would have been riding in the streets. Absolutely. I mean, for, for, that goal was just atrocious that he let in. And then Vegas responded right away. Carlson found uh, Narciso, and they got a quick goal response. So, I mean, I mean, I personally, I mean, I feel like everybody should be rooting for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think this is such an incredible story. This, in their first year in the league, and then obviously we all know the, the, the tragic events that happened right before the season started in Vegas. So the cities rallied around them. They rallied around the city. The cities embraced them. They've become a great story. They've got a lot of good players. They've had the breakout star of the year in William Carlson. If the, if the Vegas wins somehow wins this Stanley Cup, that might be the single best story I've ever seen in sports. Yeah, it, it, it would definitely be right up there with Boston Strong in, in 2013. It's it, right up there. It would be the best story uh, of the NHL season, and – the only downside for a team would be the Florida Panthers. And what the hell were you thinking letting go of Jared Gallant and he just became as available as he did for the Vegas Golden Knights? I still cannot make heads or tails what the Panthers were thinking. The Florida Panthers should be disbanded and kicked out of the NHL. They really should be. There's really no value to that team. Nobody in Miami cares about hockey. I mean, to be fair, I mean, Tampa does draw good attendance. Tampa does have great players. So Tampa, I get. The Panthers, I, I have, there's zero value to that franchise for the NHL, in my opinion. Why would you have two two NHL teams in, in Florida anyways? That just doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't. But I, I made a trip down to Tampa back in October for the Patriots-Buccaneers game down there. And the, the Lightning 
are fairly popular down there. It was right before the season started. The people were talking about it. The arena where people were outside getting their tickets. So the Lightning are good. They draw. They have great players. They have superstars. So the Lightning, I get. The Panthers make no sense. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more, Cam. I mean, that – and the other thing, too, is is that it's not like uh, there isn't nothing to do down in South Florida. There's plenty of things to do down there. Yeah, there's no interest for anyone down there to go to a hockey game. No. None whatsoever. I mean, I, I don't know. I think the NHL is in so many bad locations. And to be fair, the Arizona Coyotes did get – Austin Matthews interested in hockey, and now hockey has a generational talent because of that. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know that story. He would go when the Coyotes first got into existence. He would go to Coyotes games, see the Zamboni, and want to go out and ride on it and play the game. And now, obviously, he's become one of the best young players in the league. So that's about it in terms of what the Sun Belt has done for hockey. <laughs> that that pretty much has been the only uh, shining moment for the Arizona Coyotes, whatever it is. But um, you know, the thing about the Stanley Cup playoffs is is this. Well, before we go any, you know, get too in deep right now, I don't know if anybody happened to watch Game Two the other night between Washington and Tampa Bay, but what were the flipping odds that Victor Hedman again, again sold a high sticking penalty just like in the Bruins series, and the Caps got penalized? Like, what kind of a world are we living in that he would? St- that they would actually sell it again, and the officials fell for it. That is, I know, the, man. The, I know. The, the, the NHL's officiating this postseason has been brutal. By I far mean, the worst I've seen in years, Cam. By far I the mean, worst I've seen in years. As as bad as it was in the Bruins Lightning series, and it was. It was bad in that late. Obviously, that non-call on Kucherov was just a joke. And then we all remember Game Three in Toronto when Riley Nash's that puck clearly hit the glass, and they still called for a delay a game. But across the board, the officiating this postseason in the NHL has been atrocious. It, it is just absolutely been worse than the NBA officiating, and that. And that's saying something, Matt. And that's saying something. That says a lot. Because, you know, getting back to Scott Foster here, you know, the story on Scott Foster, we all know who Scott Foster is. He is one of the referees in the Tim Donahue controversy. Compared to what we have seen in these NHL playoffs, I, I guarantee you this right now, guys, the NHL better pray to the mountaintops in the Stanley Cup Finals that the cup isn't decided by goalie interference or offsides. Because if that is the case, if that gets decided, oh boy, are there going to be a lot of angry GMs at the next GM meetings? I will give the answer credit for the institution of that two-minute delay game penalty for the offside challenge this year was a great decision because it was getting stupid. Some of the offsides they were getting challenged. I mean, do you guys remember game one of the cup final last year? Where they oh, did I ever. Yeah, they they called that goal back on Philip Forsberg because his skate was a billionth of an inch off the ice as he was straddling the blue line. And then ten seconds later, Pittsburgh scored a goal, and then the the Penguins were off and running, and that really affected the series immensely. I love what the NHL did this year because that offside challenge was just getting stupid. I love that rule. I absolutely love that rule. I co-sign on that take a hundred percent. The the only question I would have as far as you know rule changes is this. Can we please make the lay game reviewable? Please. Can we make – I mean, listen, we're going to challenge an offside for a skate up in the air when all it takes is just 10 seconds 
to get to look at a possible delay came penalty and said, off the hit the glass, no penalty, drop the puck. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Just like there should be a guy at every I this is how I feel about replay across the board in all four sports. There should be a guy in the press box at all four sports or in the press section at a basketball game watching the game on TV. He gets one look at the replay. You can clearly see there was a mistake. You head down to the lead referee. It hit the, the puck at the glass. It hit that guy's elbow. He was safe or he got both feet down or whatever you want to say. Drop the puck, blow the whistle, throw the ball in, next pitch, whatever. Just keep the game moving. The, the replays, I don't know if you guys saw this. There was a baseball, I don't know, I think it was the Twins and the Royals about a, a month ago where the replay, the guy was clearly out at first base, clearly. They went over to review it. It took them 15 minutes. Yeah, I think that was a Twins game. I don't remember who they played, but Ludo. it was a Twins game. Ludo. 15 Ludo. minutes for a review. Can you believe that, though? This, oh, in baseball? Hell yeah. In baseball? Oh, they, are you kidding me? I mean, I'm telling you right now, Rob Manfred must have been loving life because that certainly helped his pace of play argument. Oh, I'm sure it did. Replay in baseball, do you guys remember when replay first came in? It was in 2014. How many atrocious calls there were from replay in baseball to start? Yeah. And I remember, I'll, I'll never forget this. I was watching a Yankees game early that year, 2014. It was like the second game of the year, and the umpires lost track of the count. And they went yep. back and reviewed the at bat pitch <laughs> yeah. by pitch to see what the count was. <laughs> yeah, the neighborhood play got. A lot of replays, and then next year, the Major League Baseball, like, we're scrapping that because it, every time it was like, okay, was the foot on the bag, was the tag, was his foot off the bag, and it took 20 minutes. It's like, well, there's the last 20 minutes of my life I'll never have back. <laughs> right, I mean, that neighborhood play, I mean, if you guys, do you guys remember, it was one of the games in the 13 LCS against Detroit where there was a ball flipped to Steven Drew, and he was, like, nowhere near the bag. His foot was not even close to it, and they still called the guy out because of the neighborhood play. So that doesn't exist anymore. It's amazing. So, all right. So while we're while we're still here on the podcast, um, there there is one other bit of news that I think we have to address uh, in the time that we have left. And that is the news today that Robinson Cano has been suspended for 80 games for violating uh, the, the drug drug prevention program for Major League Baseball. And I have a simple solution, guys, when it comes to getting the rest of the steroid abusers out, out of the game in Major League Baseball. And the rule is, if the players want the steroids out, and they want out so badly, at the next collective bargaining agreement, the players and Tony Clark need to go up to the owners and say, first offense, the contract is voided. End the discussion. There you go. But this is what I want to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, I, I, I have some pretty I, – I don't like steroids in baseball. I don't like what it did to the game. I mean – the era I grew up watching baseball has now been tainted as the steroid era, and I hate that. I hate steroids in the game. I don't like it, and I am I am 100% for that. First time you violate, first time you fail a drug test, boom, contract null and void. Bye. See you later. Let me ask you. Let me ask you guys this. Do you? Oh, uh, uh, yes or no? Are you guys okay with? Do you guys want Ortiz in the Hall of Fame? No. 
I, I'm going to have to say no. I'm going to have to say no because he was a DA. Barry Bond? Barry Bond? Barry Bond? Hell no. Hell no. Um, uh, no. No, uh, you no. see, I'm a yes on Bonds because I think he was a great talent with or without steroids. I'm a yes on Bonds and I'm a yes on Clemens, but I'm a, I'm a no on guys like McGuire and Sosa and Palmero and guys like that. I, but I think Bonds and Clemens would have been great without steroids. So I think those guys were Hall of Fame talents regardless. If you're gonna go at it from that, if if you're gonna go at it from that point of view, I think out of those steroid eras, Bonds and Clemens did have the best, have the most unique actual talent. So yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I still wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame. I want none of the steroid era guys in the Hall of Fame. So you said me no one either. Ortiz? No one Ortiz, yep. Wow. Um, what I was going to say was this. This is what I wanted. All those fans in Yankee Stadium who chanted at David Ortiz, you did steroids for years. From the moment it was revealed that he failed a test to the moment he left Major League Baseball. I want to know. So the, the two best hitters in your lineup when you won the 2009 championship, have now been popped for steroids, Alex Rodriguez and Robinson Cano. So it's like, so are you going to mock them? Or are right. you gonna mock no, they're not going to, Cam. You know why? Because the uniform. That's why. That's, I mean, dude, look, I mean, dude, that, that's fair. Just like, I, I know Yankees fans mock Ortiz, but if you bring up A-Rod to them, they literally will block you on social media because they don't yeah. want to face the fact that A-Rod, A-Rod did steroids. Really amazing that A-Rod is now on the Sunday night booth for ESPN. Oh, he makes that broadcast so unbearable to watch. Oh, but, uh, yeah, poor Matt Fitzgerald, what a gig he's got. Next to I, A-Rod and that giggling bimbo next to her. Mendoza, Jessica Mendoza. Yeah. You see, I think, I think A-Rod's good on TV. I don't mind him on TV. Oh, I can't stand him. I mean, look, he's a, he, look I can't stand him either, but in terms of, what, in terms of his analyzm, in terms of his... I think he's a good analyst. I mean, I mean yeah, well, I, I guess going at it from from that terms, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess he does a good job analyzing. It's just, oh, I can't stand him. I don't like his voice. I, I don't like anything about him. I mean, I, well, I, I, I despise Kurt Schilling, and I'll be the first to tell you that when he did uh, when he was an analyst, I thought he was terrific. I, I, I guess I would probably feel the same way about A-Rod then. I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm knocking his journalism skills. I, I mean, I, I'm just not, I don't like him. I don't like his voice. I don't like his face. I don't like the fact that I have to see him for three hours on a Sunday night now. <laughs> Nathan, who would you, well, punch, in, you, who, what, who would you punch in the face, A-Rod or LeBron? <laughs> A-Rod. Wow, A-Rod's the second. <laughs> A-Rod, without a doubt, my answer is. A-Rod's the second. And if I could have two punches, I'd do it. I'd do the left side and the right side. <laughs> I mean, to be, to, if we're going to be frank right now, I don't know why everybody in Boston hates LeBron so much. I mean, I, I understand that he's an egomaniac. I understand that he's very full of himself. But it's like, the guy, I, I don't think LeBron's a bad guy. But everybody here respected Kobe, who I think is a bad human being. I th- LeBron has never been arrested, never had gotten a traffic ticket, married his high school sweetheart, and raised a family with them, and he sent thousands of kids to college through his, through his foundation. So why do people here like Kobe but hate LeBron? That's a fair, that's a fair question. Well, you know what? It, it's amazing what people can think of. I mean, you know, you, I mean, I, I don't get the hate for LeBron. I mean, listen, I, I've heard the LeBron hate. I'm like, what's LeBron done to be hated? I mean, granted, he's, he's – I mean, listen, he politics his way around in the NBA, but guess what? So does everybody else with the That's talent the inside. I mean, you know, the problem with A-Rod is, is that A-Rod, when he got busted, he was claiming it was his cousin. 
I mean, and, you know, that's the thing. And, and by the way, while we're on the subject of steroid users, you know what? I would just love to hear one time from somebody that gets caught. You know what? I didn't think I was getting caught. Okay? Right? I didn't think I was getting caught. Okay? Don't it. tell us that you unknowingly. Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit did that. That's why I think, that's why I think everyone doesn't give him crap, because when he got caught, oh, he admitted it. Oh, man. Just, just say it. I didn't think I'd get caught. Okay? That's why Matt, what you just said is why Andy Pettit does not get crap for taking HGH like he did because when he got caught. Oh my he gosh! No kidding! No kidding! Everybody just harps on Clemens. They they, they Clemens, just hyper focus on Clemens because because I mean yeah, like Cam just said. I mean Andy Pettit was like, no, I did it. I did it. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Just, I, I just admit it. Just there admit is, it. There is not a baseball player who played from 1996 through 2004 that I would bet my life on didn't take steroids. And that includes guys who we view with the utmost integrity, like Derek Jeter. I, I, there's nobody who loved Derek Jeter more than me. But what about you had, Pedro, it, Cam? Pedro, yes. I mean, come on, come on. A guy that small to have that much power, yes, I think Pedro was on steroids. I hate to say it because I love Pedro, but uh, we've all seen how much te- the testing is a joke. I mean, how many tested Lance Armstrong passed, crying out loud? Oh, please. I mean, it, it, the Olympics is a prime example of that. You see, I, I used to like Olympics, but just like look, everything that's happened in Olympic sports now, from all the drug testing to everything that's happened in gymnastics over the last few months with that horrific case with that doctor, it's just like I used to like the Olympics. I, I'm one of the few actually wanted them here in 2024. I'm, now I'm glad it's not going to be here, and I don't know if I'm going to watch in four years because I just find it disgusting what that organization and what those sports have turned into. Uh, I know. It's just like, it, it's, it, it's really unfortunate, you know, what's happened. So I have uh, a question for you guys uh, as it relates to uh, um, the upcoming, uh, the upcoming, uh, I, I got a question for you guys as it relates to the uh, – um, what the heck was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Um, the Red Sox, as you know uh, – and by the way, they're in a rain delay. They're, they're supposed to start at 8.30. Um, 8.30 is the last thing I heard, yep. Yeah, 8.30. Um, here's the thing, guys, and th- this, is, this, is, this is just a little bit of a um, tidbit on the Red Sox right now. The Red Sox need to get tonight, in my opinion, a really good start out of Eduardo Rodriguez because with the news on Carson Smith right now, the last thing you want to do is put the strain on Chris Sale to basically save your bullpen because you gotta, he's got to go deep tonight. And if they have to go to their bullpen early tonight, we may be seeing another roster move come up because right now uh, their bullpen is as big a question mark as they can. And – and honestly, I don't think Dombrowski is going to be able to uh, um, get a trade done this b- before the deadline because he's got nobody in that farm system. Yeah, he's got nobody in the farm. He's, he's got nobody. He, he, he's done a terrible job of building his farm system. But but we knew that. We knew that's what we were getting with Dombrowski. He did the same thing in Detroit. He ran Detroit's farm system into the ground. Had, he left. They were one of the worst teams in baseball, and then he came to the Red Sox. This is just what Dave Dombrowski does. 
I mean, I mean, I was for the Dabrowski hire because I, they, I thought they desperately needed a culture change. Whenever, I mean, around that time, I mean, let's face it, guys. In the summer of 2015, we all thought the Red Sox were a laughing stock. They were in the middle of their third last place finish in four years. We looked at them as an organization that had no earthly idea what they were doing. Would you guys agree? I, I would totally agree. So in that terms, I see why we hired Dombrowski. But, I mean, Dombrowski is what he was in Detroit. I mean, this is all you needed to know. Of the, the, the top ten Red Sox prospects on SoxProspects.com, the day Dombrowski was hired, which I believe was August 23rd or 22nd of 2015, of the Red Sox top ten, top ten prospects that day, he traded eight of them. The only two that remained, the only two that, that remained were Ben and Tendi and Devers. He traded the other eight. And I don't know how many of you listened to Felger and Maz today. I didn't get a chance to listen to much of it because I, I was didn't working. either. Because uh, it, it seems like right now that Andrew Benatendi is about to be uh, put in the spotlight because uh, that's who they focused on. They, they really got him a lot today. Because Maz, Maz is starting to think that he's the definition of a prima donna baseball player. Well, it, there is there is some truth to that, and. I think right now, I mean, if you're Alex Cora right now, uh, you got your work cut out for you because you've got a team I don't think is that good. I think they're a good team, but they're not a title contender. And, you know, he is a guy that was brought in to smooth the egos um, and just, you know, ease the tension here. Um, and if if things don't get any better for this team, uh, he's got a uh, he's got his work cut out for him. I'm going to go. I agree with you, Matt. But I'm going to go back to Dombrowski. The, the trade that he is not getting enough, and people are not giving him hard enough time for right now, is the Tyler Thornburg trade. Yes. You, you look Absolutely. At that right Tyler Thornburg has not thrown a pitch for this Red Sox team in a year and a half. He had a degenerative shoulder condition, so his career might be over. I mean, it looks like he's going to come back soon, but I'm not expecting anything from him. You traded four prospects for that guy, and Travis Shaw. So last year, last year you had no third baseman until Devers came up, and you traded four prospects for him. So your farm system is now – you have no top 100 prospects because your two to start the year have either been injured or suspended. So you got – that trade alone is going to absolutely kill them, especially if Thornburg comes back and doesn't pitch well. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree, Cam. It, 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 is, it is not coming up roses for Dombrowski right now, and uh, he's going to really need to uh, – He's going to really need to do the uh, um, really pull a rabbit out of his hat to really get any type of bullpen help because you know if because I got news for you they activated Stephen Wright Stephen Wright ain't going to give you crap because no, Stephen Wright he's Stephen Wright's not a bullpen guy he, he is he is I've heard somebody say well he's a long relief mop up man good well bring him in when the game's decided but. You're not going to rely on him if you go extra innings. I mean, and it's we, a tight ball game. Absolutely. I mean, we were bringing Carson Smith in in big, big situations. You know, seventh, you know, sixth, seventh inning. So you, you're not going to be relying on Stephen Wright to do that. I mean, all you need to know. But what, what worries me most about the Red Sox right now is this: you got nothing, no chips to improve this roster, and people don't. This is something that people, not enough people, are talking about. A lot of the players on this team's contract expire after either this year or next year. Kimbrel's up after yeah. this year. 
Yeah, Pomerantz is up after this year. You have a lot of guys who are on the verge of hitting free agency, so you don't get a lot of time to win with this group because you're not going to keep everybody. I mean, I want them to. I mean, it looks like Betts doesn't want to be here. They're obviously, I don't, you know, we obviously don't want them to pay Bradley, even though Bogarts has had a good first half here. I don't know if I want them to pay him what Boris is going to demand. Sale's going to want something massive once he hits the market after his, after next year. Kimball is going to demand something massive. So you've got a small window here, so you better find a way to get some bullpen help in here if you want to try and capitalize. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the window's running out. I mean, I I think the window what I heard uh, going uh, going into last or going into last year's season was a three year window, and we're already on the second second year of that three year window. So I, have, I, I couldn't agree. I could not agree more. And that window is not going to last much longer. And the worst part about it is the Yankees' window looks about one that's going to be wide open oh, for wide the next open five years. So th- that's, th- that's the thing that is the worst part about it is the Yankees, right now they're better than you, and they have a much and better, they have farm, a better system. farm system. It's not even close. They have the second-rated farm system in baseball behind the Braves. The Red Sox are ranked 21st, 25th. So it's like so, – so it's not even close. So if there's a big name out there at the deadline, the Yankees have a lot more ammo to go get that guy than you do. Yeah, bingo. Bingo, you nailed it. So, uh, I, Josh, are you still there? I am still here. I was just listening to Okay, end. well, I, you were very quiet for a while. I've been waiting to see if you wanted to jump in because uh, – you know, you uh, you seem very quiet. I just wanted to make sure you were still there. Oh, I'm still I'm still wide awake. Um, I'm really trying to watch this game pretty soon. So, you know, I just want to get you your uh, final takes from all of you. All right. So, uh, who wants to go first? Somebody go first. I I got nothing yet, Matt. So, one of you guys go. I'm trying to think of something. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess. Uh, do you want Red Sox or Celtics for my closing takes? Both. Both. I mean, uh, Red Sox got uh, two more against the A's. I, I think tonight's a big one. I think it was Matt that already said it. You don't want Sale to have to go out there and pitch deep into the game. You got this whole Carson Smith thing. You, you got the whole David Price thing a week ago. I mean, things are starting to spiral a little bit out of control. But I, to Cora's credit, he's he's keeping it under control. He's not really making it a thing. Um, I, I I I mean, I I saw on Twitter the other day. Um, I, I, I guess I didn't see it on Twitter. I posted on Twitter the other day. The Red Sox are tw- uh, twenty-seven and twelve, the best start in my lifetime, and people are still finding something to complain about. Well, I mean, now I'm now I'm finding something to complain about. Yeah, this whole price thing, which I think Cam said it earlier. The price thing isn't as bad as the Carson Smith thing. The Carson Smith thing is just it makes me so mad, man. It makes me so mad. You can't compose yourself. We already we, we are already struggling. I've said it before that we're already struggling with depth in that bullpen. Right now, who do we got? We got Matt Barnes and Joe Frickin' Kelly. Like, and you're gonna go do a stunt like that and separate your shoulder for God knows how long? Oh my God! I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about this Red Sox team. I'm not panicked yet. They still got a lot of talent on that team, but I mean, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about the inside issues. I guess in that clubhouse, do they have a leader? Who's their leader? Um, I guess that's my closing Red Sox take. Uh, I'll keep it really simple to the Celtics. I mean, I, I do have this guy, Cavs winning tonight, going back to Cleveland 1-1. LeBron's going to drop at least 40. 
I guess I'll go next. I'm going to take a, I'm going to piggyback off of what you said, Nate. And I I have a very distinct message to David Price, Eduardo Rodriguez, Rick Porcello, Drew Pomerantz, and Stephen Wright. What do you need to man the heck up and step up? Because if this Red Sox team needs to lean on Chris Sale, and Chris Sale needs to give them seven or eight innings a night, every night into the fall, the same thing is going to happen this year that happened last year, and that is Chris Sale is going to be burnt out and done by the time this team reaches the end of September and October. And he's going to be giving up four runs regularly, like we saw at the end of last year and in the playoffs. The goal this year was to make sure that Sale didn't fade, which is why he was pulled early on opening day and pulled early a lot in the first month of the year, which I agree with Cora doing. I did not criticize him for pulling Sale on opening day. I, I criticized him for leaving Carson Smith and Joe Kelly in too long. If they run Chris Sale into the ground, this team has absolutely zero chance to get out of the wild card game. Never mind win rounds. All right. Well, my final thought will be a Bruins start and a Patriots start. Uh, the Bruins, a uh, lot of work to do this offseason, and there is a lot of money that is tied up in contracts going into next year, from Krejci to Rask to Backus, you name it. If Don Sweeney's going to want to improve this team, he's got to really put the brain together and figure out how to make adjustments because you got guys coming up like McAvoy that are under going to be paying pay big money soon. You got to pay him. So Don Sweeney, you got your work cut out for you. And as far as the Patriots is concerned, we are a week away, believe it or not, from the OTAs arriving in Foxborough and no Tom Brady in sight. And so my question is simply this. When do we start wondering if Tom Brady is going to hold out? The question I have to answer is in this form. If he misses mandatory minicamp, we got a problem. I agree. Absolutely, I agree. I'm going to send it out here. I disagree. I, I think Tom Brady's showing up regardless. And, you know, I appreciate all you guys for signing on with me tonight. And, you know, we're going to watch the Celtics and Cavs tonight, duel it out. And, you know, it's going to be fantastic. And I, th- I think I thank all you guys again for joining me. And, um, you know, have a great night. And um, let, me, let me unmute you and uh, see what you have to say. Guys, it's been my pleasure. Hope to talk to you around soon. And uh, let's hope for another Celtics win. Absolutely a pleasure getting to talk to you guys. Um, Nice to finally talk to you guys in person. Nice to meet you guys. Um, Thanks for hopping on. Um, It was fun, Josh. Thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Josh. Guys, great to talk to you. Um, You guys will be hearing me on the radio in the coming days, and Josh, I'm sure I'll hear you on on Jones after the game tonight. So I'll talk to you guys later. Go Seas. Absolutely. Go South. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.